Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. chapter 2. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, 
everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Here ends the epistle. Please stand. According to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our, of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, how slow of heart to believe that all the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he inter interpreted to them in all the, th all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were, were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And then they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the gospel of the Lord. Continue with our hymn.
May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours today in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from the Gospel reading. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, through your death and resurrection, you have fulfilled all the ancient promises. Give us the joy of the disciples as we proclaim your good news and as we gather. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He, he is, is risen, risen indeed. indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. In our Gospel reading today, we heard Jesus said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? They stood still, looking sad, and Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And Jesus said, What things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet mighty in deed and in word before God and all the people. And our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. It's our text. In the Gospel reading today, we have one of those amazing uh, biblical accounts, right? Uh, lots of details to draw us in. We uh, can feel sadness uh, and confusion with these two disciples as they walk along the road. We wonder, though, how it is that they just do not recognize the other one walking with them as Jesus. We listen to the conversation between Jesus and these uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus, and we find that, that they're pretty close to the event of the crucifixion, aren't they? I mean, they have heard, or maybe personally witnessed with their own eyes, what had happened to Jesus, that he was cruelly beaten, that he was abused and nailed to a cross, and to die. In fact, they tell the man walking with them all about it, not knowing that the man who was listening so intently was the very one they were talking about. They had heard that Jesus had risen from the dead, and told Jesus what had happened. Some of the women in our group surprised us. They went at dawn to the tomb, but they could not find the body. They came back saying they had seen a vision of angels who told them that he is alive. They've heard all this and they don't believe it. It's similar to the reading last weekend, right? Uh, where the disciples are behind those locked doors and living in fear. And even though some had seen the empty tomb and heard Mary's report, about the risen Jesus, they had a hard time believing. It's as if these disciples on the road to Emmaus have allowed sadness and confusion about the events of the day, uh, past few days to really blind them uh, to the possibility that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who had been promised throughout the Old Testament, and that it is possible that he had risen from the dead. That sadness and disillusionment was sort of like a thick fog that that came in around them, and all they could see was the mist, right? That, that hid the beauty of what lay beyond. All they could see, tragedy and disappointment, they could not see the great thing that God, was, uh, God had done for them. All they saw was hopelessness and loss, but not the victory that Jesus achieved for them over sin and death. Listen again. They said to him about these things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, 
a man who is a prophet mighty indeed and in one and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel yes and besides all this it is now the third day since these things had happened you know there are uh, some words in that passage that tell us something about the sadness and disappointment they were feeling it's really three words in English. We had hoped, right? We had hoped. We had such high hopes for Jesus that he was the one who had set Israel free. We had, we had such high hopes. We had, we had hoped that, 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 that in, in what he would do, that, that we trusted and believed with all our hearts that he was the one that would, would bring about such changes and would be with us here to rule us and guide us as a nation. We had hoped. We had hoped, but now he's dead. And those hopes have blown away like the morning mist. The loss of hope was so demoralized them that Luke tells us the faces were downcast and sad. Uh, maybe you've seen that in faces before. Uh, it's an indication of the heart, isn't it? Disillusionment, confusion, doubt, and disappointment. After they finished their story, Jesus did something very unusual, certainly not something I would have done. I mean, if, if I had been Jesus, and thank God I'm not, right? Uh, I mean, if I were Jesus I, I, and I had faced these men going through a crisis, I'd have fixed it right then, right? Uh, as we listen to this story, I'd hardly be able to wait to, to, to fin uh, so they could finish it. I'd pull up my sleeves so they could uh, see the nail marks in my hands and, and point to the nail scars on my feet. I might have even opened the robe to show them the, the scar and the spear wound on my side. Maybe, maybe done a miracle, take a bottle of water and turn it into wine and help them understand that I had risen from the dead. I mean, if I were Jesus, I would, I would hardly hold, hold back revealing to them who I was so I could see the surprise and excitement on their faces. Maybe looking back to my Easter message, maybe roll up their sleeves and show them the marks and do the little ta-da, right? You know, uh, draw their attention to, to my wounds and reveal that I was the one. I was the real deal that I was alive and in the flesh. But Jesus does nothing of that, right? He doesn't do anything like that at all. This is a moment for a revelation of a different kind. A teaching moment. That in their excitement, they would probably miss if they knew the resurrected Lord was the one walking with them. We're told Jesus explained to them what was said about himself in all the scriptures, beginning with the books of Moses and the writings of all the prophets. Look at me thinking, what did Jesus share with these men about from the Old Testament? I'm not sure, but I'd have a pretty good guess. I think Jesus would have started at the beginning, right? telling how sin destroyed that relationship between God and Adam and Eve, how God created these first two people to have this close relationship, but Adam and Eve blew it. They allowed themselves to be tempted by Satan, and so they disobeyed God. Instantly, they were separated from God, and not only did they die, begin to die spiritually, they were also dying physically. God pronounced a curse on Satan, and he promised. He promised that the descendant of the woman will crush the head of Satan and try to destroy him. 
that Jesus might have turned to Deuteronomy, thinking about Moses. Moses declared in Deuteronomy 18, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, and it is to him you shall listen. Moses had a specific task, didn't he? To take these people of God that had been freed from slavery in Egypt and give God's people a, a new and special covenant that would set them apart and be his holy people. Jesus is indeed a prophet like Moses, freeing his people not from the slavery in Egypt, but from the slavery to sin, and giving those people a new covenant and setting them apart to be God's holy people for eternity. Then I think Jesus would have taken in the last chapters of, of uh, uh, Isaiah, in Isaiah 52 and 53, where God tells us what will happen to the one whom he will send to save his people. In Isaiah, we read, we despised him and rejected him. He endured suffering and pain. He endured the suffering that should have been ours, the pain that, should, that we should have borne. Because of our sins, he was pierced, beaten because of the evil we did. Isaiah explicitly describes the Messiah as being wounded and pierced, sent for the specific purpose of taking on the sins of all humanity. He tells us, he willingly gave his life and took the place of many sinners, praying that they might be forgiven. You see, the major theme of the Bible, especially the Old Testament, is, hey, somebody is coming. The Messiah is coming, right? In the Old Testament, they're always pointing ahead to the coming Christ. Somebody is coming, the Messiah is coming, and when the Messiah comes, this is where he will, will be born, this is what he will do, this is how he will teach, and this is how he will die. And this is what Jesus would have talked about with Cleopas and his friend on the road to Emmaus. All that they experienced that previous Friday and now on the first day of the week, really was this deliberate plan of God that he had come to save all of Israel, that is people, and really the entire world from their sins. Jesus acts like he's going to keep on walking along, right? Uh, and, and the disciples convince him to stay uh, with them. And when they sit down to dinner, Cleopas and his friend have this sort of deja vu experience because Jesus takes some bread, breaks it, and gives it to them. We're told that in that moment, right? We're told their eyes were open and they recognized Jesus. The fog of doubt had and confusion and disillusionment was suddenly lifted them, lifted from them, and they could see who it was and who had been with them the whole time. That Jesus is truly alive. They had never left them, even when they expressed so much despair and sadness. Even though he had disappeared at that very moment, we're told. Those disciples were changed. Those men had experienced the, some inexplicable trauma. They were facing confusion and despair. They really couldn't see anything good about their present set of circumstances. There wasn't anything for them to look ahead uh, forward to. They had no hopes for the future. Those were dashed. Hearts were heavy, sad, and downcast. They could not see Jesus. You know, at, at some point, we all have an Emmaus Road experience, don't we? 
Don't we feel like that sometimes? On occasions, it seems like the whole world around us just doesn't make sense anymore. One disaster after another rolls over us. On other occasions, maybe it's that small thing that gets all blown up out of proportion and, and we flounder despair and depression. You know, whether the cause of our dilemma is big or small, whether it's real or maybe even imaginary, the result's the same. We have this feeling of being alone, bewildered, sad, distressed. Like I said in the children's sermon, the account of these two men is our account. Their story is our story, isn't it? In the middle of the darkest cloud, we meet a stranger, hear his words of comfort, uh, sit down at a table with him and share a meal. The account is about the meeting the risen Savior when our sadness is our, is our deepest and our distress is at the greatest. This is an account of the risen Lord walking with us through the darkness of our confusion, even when we're not aware that he's there with us. The account set upon the road to Emmaus is about our risen Savior. The Savior who lovingly reminds us and teaches us that in the darkness of our despair that, that he is the one, right? He is the one sent by our Heavenly Father and that his love for, our, love for us never fails. And to be certain, he lets us look at his nail-pierced hands inside like Thomas. This is an account about the meaning of Easter for all of us. It enables you and me to see the risen Jesus gives us hope when all we see is disappointment, uh, discouragement, and despair. It enables us to see the world not as a place of death or decay or defeat, but to see it as a place of waiting and groaning toward God's final victory. When Jesus taught the disciples that day as they walked to Emmaus, he referred to the Old Testament message that somebody's coming, right? The Messiah's coming. God's going to send somebody for you. But today we know that someone has come. We know that he has died and rose again for us. We know that he now walks with us on our Emmaus road, wherever that's leading us at this moment. He invites us to break bread with him, to share in his victory over sin and death and everything else that threatens our peace and security. He invites us to rejoice in the promise of the resurrection, assuring you and me that whatever happens, we are safe in his arms now. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. It's no wonder the disciples reacted the way they did when they realized who had been walking with them. Because they said, you know, uh, wasn't it like a fire burning within us, right? They were presence of the Savior and their hearts were burning. Because of Jesus, they have a new hope and confidence. Because of Jesus, they have a new light for all to see. Because of Jesus, they have a, a new boldness and they have a new anchor for the tough times in their lives that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Let's all remember that we're not walking alone, right? The unseen stranger, the risen Jesus, is walking with you and me today. The Emmaus encounter didn't happen just once a long time ago. It happens again and again and again. 
it happens every time we remember our baptism. It happens every time we, we talk to him in prayer. Every time we gather at his table. Every time we serve others in his name. Every time we share his good news of joy with the world. Every time we open his word of life and hope. Every time he is there. And he brings us eternal life. What a blessing that is. Because it happens again and again every time. And his love moves you and me to share that joy and proclaim. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He, he is, is risen indeed. indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Dear friends, let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we confess together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.
Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.